Welcome to the Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. This simple, scripturally sound preaching and teaching of the Word of God will direct you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Follow the Shepherd's Voice into the green pastures that God has purposed for you. There, you'll find rest for your soul and the fulfilled Christian experience you crave. God bless you as you listen. Amen. Praise God. And it's good to see all of you. Bow down your heads and let us pray, please. Thank you, Jesus. We give you thanks, Lord. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you reign my I'm so glad you came to save us. Can you sing it again? Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my heart. I'm so glad you're in my heart. I'm so glad you came to save us. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth. You came from heaven to earth. To show the way from the earth to the cross. My debt you paid from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. You came, you came from heaven to earth, to show the way, from the earth to the cross, my debt you pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name. Lift your hands and sing it one more time. You came from heaven to earth, you came from heaven to earth, to show the way, from the earth to the cross, my death. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on night. Oh, yes, Lord, we exalt you this evening. We place you in the highest place. We thank you that you are our Lord. 
and our God. And we've entered into a season where we will be celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The one who came from heaven to earth to show us the way. The one who moved to the cross to pay our debt. We are so excited that you did not remain in the grave. But that you rose again on the third day triumphantly. Having defeated our arch enemy. The one who sought to kill, to steal and to destroy us. We are grateful to you. And this evening we commit ourselves into your hands. We ask that you will speak to us as you always do. I pray for understanding and revelation for everyone here today. And I pray for all those who are watching online at this moment. Even those who will watch later on. Let everyone be blessed and imparted. For these are the times of impartation. In Jesus mighty name have we prayed. Let everybody say amen. Give Jesus a mighty hand clap please. Hallelujah. God bless you. Kindly take your seats. Two weeks ago on Sunday, I started a message, title of it, it is not in vain, it's not in vain. And I promised you that I was going to continue on the Wednesday. But then last week, Wednesday, I remembered that there was another message that I was on about Jesus, the light of the world. And I don't like to leave loose ends untied. I finished up with that. And I think that it will be appropriate to finish with this message on it's not in vain. So this is the second part of the message, it's not in vain. In other words, enyekwa. Is it correct? Enyekwa. All right. Please turn your Bibles with me to Malachi chapter 3. And we're reading from verse 13. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, as I usually do. And this is what it says. You have said terrible things about me, says the Lord. But you say, what do you mean? What have we said against you? And this is God's response. You have said, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying his commands or by trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies, the King James who said the Lord of hosts, that we are sorry for our sins. From now on, we will call the arrogant blessed. For those who do evil get rich and those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other. And the Lord listened to what they said. In his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to recall the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. 
On the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. Then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked. Between those who serve God and those who do not. Or say, Emrebi Beba, Mubehu and Susuye, Ah, Ewa Atene Nefo, Eni Abonifo and Tim, Ah, Ewa Wan Womusum Eradi, Eno Wanuma Womusum Eradi and Tim. Hallelujah. Now, verse 14 of Malachi 3, we want to read it from the King James Version. And then also from the New King James Version, because it gives us another perspective of it. It says, Ye have said, It is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? New King James Version, same verse 14, says, You have said, It is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we've walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? Hallelujah. Amen. Now, in the book of Malachi, you will discover that there were different places that God brought a charge or brought charges against the people of Israel. He charged them for certain things that they had done. Now, examples of the things that God was not happy with them about was that they were offering sacrifices that did not bring honor to God. So, if they want to bring a sheep offering, they look for a sheep that has a problem. Maybe one of the legs is broken or it has a running nose. Or the sheep has tuberculosis or one eye. So they will search through their flock. And then the Sanquas sheep is what they will present to the Lord. Sometimes they will bring bread that is molded. You know, corrupted bread. They look through the bread in their pantry. The one that is hard. That is beginning to turn black. That is what they will bring to God. God also spoke to them about the tithes and the offerings. How that they were robbing him by not presenting to him the tithes and the offerings that are supposed to come to God. To make sure that there is meat in his house. So there were different things that God was not happy with them about. But in the scripture that we read... God told them that you have said some very terrible things against me. They asked, what have we said against you? And God's response is that you said it is useless to serve God. It is vain to serve God. Useless. So what so many yami and as a usro nyamia and fam faswobia emrewo that is exactly what they said. Now if you read through 
the verses that we read from verse 13 to 18, there are six things that the people said that God reacted to. Number one, serving God is useless. Number two, there is no profit in obeying God. Number three, there is no point in being repentant before God. Number four, there is no blessing in being humble. Number five, doing good will rather make you poor. <laughs> And then number six, fearing God does not keep you from harm. So these were the six things that they said and spoke against God and God reacted to them. That what you have said is a very bad thing. I want to say to us that we should be very careful about the things we say against God. Against the things of God. Against the servants of God against the church of god let's let's try to be very very careful about what we say hallelujah because sometimes in speaking out in a certain way you are actually speaking against god so try not to be in a hurry to comment about things take your time before you say what you have to say now there's a flip side to it Pastors and churches hide behind the scripture that says, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. Now, it doesn't mean that if there is something wrong, we cannot talk about it. Or we cannot respond to it. All I'm saying to you is that there's a certain way to talk about things. And there's a certain way of not talking about things. But it doesn't mean that pastors and men of God are beyond criticism. Because there are two types of criticism. There's constructive criticism and there is destructive criticism. So, if something is wrong, we should be able to talk about it. All I'm saying is that we need to talk about it in the right way so that we don't end up going overboard with our comments and with our statements. Can I have an amen from somebody? So, God was not happy with them about these things that they said. And I want you to understand, my friends, that if we will be sincere with with ourselves, there are times when we actually say such things. Or, if we don't open our mouths to say them, it is in our head. That this serving God, serving God, going to church all the time. And sometimes the people you live with, your family, your friends, they will actually ask you that you, the church that you've been going and going and going and going, what have you gained from it? 
some of you i'm sure that there are friends and family members who think that you are crazy when you when 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 they think about how far you have to travel in order to get to church there are church members members of this church who come all the way from Bawe top base that's very far very 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 far we had members who used to come from Ablekuma fan milk <laughs> that's also another far place I have members who come from Ashaman, Washington. Ashaman, New York. Ashaman, Peaceland. Ashaman, Soweto. They come from there to church. I didn't have one of our sisters in church. I have had to stop her. But she was prepared to come from home where she is and come to church on Sunday. So like she'll come on Saturday and stay and then go back after church. When you think about these things, it doesn't really make sense. And people will make you see that what you are doing. And then I will try to sorry. Look. That's why I explained that. If you know that I will get what I am looking for, where I am going, you don't mind how far you have to travel to get there. And there are things that people are prepared to do in order to get what they are looking for. Sometimes you do not understand why people prefer to go to one particular church and not to another church. Sometimes it is because of what they get from the church that they are going to. When you come to church, by the time you are going, you should have a certain satisfaction in your spirit and soul that I have met God, that I have been I have been fed. Say When you come to church and you're leaving. You should live with hope. Live with encouragement. Live with faith. Live with expectation that things are going to be alright. If you come to church and by the time you are leaving you are afraid. <laughs> if you come to church and by the time you are leaving you feel condemned. Then there is something seriously wrong. And people would like to go. You see, that's the thing about sheep and goats. And these animals who feed on grass and all of that. They like to go where the grass is greener. That's where they like to go. They go where the grass is greener. So one man of God, of blessed memory, called uh, Reverend Amwako, what was his first name again? 
Reverend Francis Hamwako of blessed memory was a very powerful man of God. He, he said one of his, uh, he was a fiery preacher. He used to talk and say things just the way he wants to say them. He wasn't polished in a lot of the things that he said. But he explained that, why are you complaining that people have left your church and are coming to my church? He said, don't you understand that they will come to where the grass is green? Because they are not blessed by the grass that is brown. It's one of the reasons why people will go to a particular church. And another reason I mentioned is because of the encouragement and the hope. So people may not understand why you do what you do. And it is important for you to assure yourself that what I am doing, serving God, the sacrifices I'm making for God and for the things of God and for the kingdom of God, they are not in vain. Hallelujah. They are not in vain. Those who laugh at you, let them laugh. Somebody says, how can I go to a church that is in somebody's house? (laughs) That's also something that, you know, some people may have a problem with. That home. I said somebody's garage. On a normal day, that's where he parks his cars. Then on Sunday, we meet there for church. There'll be... (laughs) well you don't understand that it is the people who make up the church not the building buildings are important the temple is important and by the grace of God we will build a beautiful church building to the glory of God but please be patient with us we are on a journey somewhere that's why the Bible says, who has despised the days of small beginnings? Most things in life, for them to work well, you need to start small. And usually, if something starts and is very big, there's a problem somewhere. Usually, not all the time, but usually, there's a problem somewhere. And so, we are going somewhere by the grace of God. And this week, By the grace of God, we're going to make the first payment for our land, our church land. Hallelujah. You know, I kept telling you that we'll buy the land, we'll get the land, and we are going to do that. So before the week will end, we'll make the first payment, and we are believing God to be able to settle the rest as we move on. That's why if you have made pledge, please redeem your pledge. God will help us. I said, God will help us. And somebody says, if you help to build the house of God, God will build a house for you. Hallelujah. Your father may not have built a house, but the story will change with you. I said, the story will change with you. God will start a new trend of things with you. Because with God, nothing shall be impossible. So let's press on with what we are doing for God. Why? 
because our labor in the Lord is not in vain and it is not a useless thing to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Now there are 10 things to do with the Christian experience which are not in vain. And nyama edubi wahwa efa Christo sumhu a emfaso ewahu. The first one is your labor or service to God is not in vain. So in First Corinthians 15:58 it says, "Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm." Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. That means give yourself fully to the work of God. That means do the things of God, serve God, work for God wholeheartedly. No what's it? Mutromujo. Mutromujo. Which means what? A honey hobby like that. Hot and cold. Yes. Look warm. Look warm. Alright. Whatever you are doing for God, don't be lukewarm about it. Because your service to God and the work you are doing in the name of the Lord is not in vain. So the Bible is saying it clearly here. That always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Somebody say, it is not in vain. My labor, my work, my service to God is not in vain. Hallelujah. And I'm a living testimony of it. I've been doing the work of God for many, many years. Way, 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 way before I became a pastor, I was involved in the work of God. In fact, a few days, weeks after I got born again, I started getting involved in the work of God. And it's been many, many, many years. Many, 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 many years. So for more than 30, 32 years and still counting, I have been involved in the work of God. And I can tell you emphatically that my labor in the Lord has not been in vain. Hallelujah. It doesn't mean that I haven't had challenges. It doesn't mean that I haven't had difficult moments. It doesn't mean that everything was rosy. But when all is said and done, when everything is analyzed and weighed, the only conclusion that you can arrive at is that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Hallelujah. The second thing that is not in vain where our Christian experience is concerned is your sacrifices are not in vain. Your sacrifices are not in vain. One day Peter asked Jesus, so you Jesus, after we have followed you all these years, what is in it for us? You know, actually what is said to Jesus in Mark chapter 10, let's read it. It's not a problem. Mark chapter 10 verse 28 to 30. 
Then Peter began Mark chapter 10 verse 28 to 30. Then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Now, this was after Jesus had made a statement that how hardly it is for rich people to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Yes, but it's very, very hard. It doesn't mean that rich people will not make it to heaven. It doesn't mean that there will be no rich person in heaven. But Jesus was explaining that there's a certain deception with riches. It has a way of ensnaring you and trapping you. And it can become your God. That is why Jesus said you cannot serve both God and mammon. He didn't say you cannot serve both God and the devil. So money is a very formidable opponent and challenger to God. And that's the problem with having a lot of money. You become servant to it. And it becomes an idol. And God doesn't like idolatry. Look, a lot of the problems that God had with the people of Israel, it was because of idolatry. It is like something that when it happens, it really robs of God in a, wrong, in a very wild way. To have a substitute for him. So don't make the mistake of thinking that God is against you prospering. The Bible says that it is he who gives us the power to make wealth. So when God talked about how hardly it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must understand the context within which he was speaking. It was after Jesus made that statement that Peter then said that, hey, then who can be saved? And then Peter went on to say that, but master, we, we have left everything to follow you. In essence, what he was asking is that what they inside for us? What we go get from it? What will we get from the sacrifices we've made? I had a lucrative fishing business. I abandoned it. Not me alone. Have you seen John and, and, and James? The, the sons of Thunder. The sons of Zebedee. They also left their father. Can you imagine you are doing business with your father? Then one day somebody comes and says, follow me and I'll make you a fishers of men. Uh, I'll make you fishers of men. Then you leave your father, an old man, to take care of the family business and you follow this stranger. It's a very wild thing. So Peter had a point. He had a case in asking the question that he asked. That as we have left everything to follow you, what is in it for us? What profit is there for us? And that is when Jesus said, yes. He replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news, verse 30, will receive now in return 
a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with persecution. Along with what? It means that although God will bless you, it doesn't mean that your life will be free from persecution. Actually, when you are blessed, it comes with a lot of persecution. That's the reality of it. And he says, and in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. In other words, Jesus was saying, it's a win-win situation. And yet, you won't lose. It's win-win. He says, he's explaining that you will be rewarded on earth and in heaven as well. So, kwata, 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 even if it doesn't work here on earth, it will work in heaven. But the fact still stands that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And the sacrifices that you make for God are not in vain. I won't lie to you. To really follow Jesus and to serve him well, there are times that you'll be called upon to make sacrifices. And Jesus explained in Matthew 16, 24 that anyone who comes after me and wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up his or her cross and follow me. Cross. Not jewelry. That's not what Jesus is talking about. So you read the scripture and say that, uh, take up your cross and all of that. Then you go and buy a chain and put it around your neck and you think that that's all there is to it. No. Talking about a real cross. And the cross is a symbol of suffering and shame. That's what Jesus carried. And he's explaining to us that if we decided to follow him and to serve him and to be his disciple, all of us will have cross, crosses to carry. The crosses, they are not the same. Your cross is not my cross. The size of your cross is not the same as the size of my cross. The weight of your cross may not be the same as the weight of my cross. I don't determine the sizes. (laughs) And I don't determine the weight. But I think that God knows what we can bear. And God knows that some people can endure certain things more than others can. But whichever way you look at it, everybody has a cross to carry. And that cross, I'm reminding you again, is a symbol of suffering and shame. So be a dada or a catcher or say, Oh, say, Unya eba ye sumwa. They say things like that to you. I'm sorry. If we, the pastors, have given you such a wrong impression. It is not all rosy. There are real serious challenges in the Christian faith. It's a good life. It's a sweet life. 
we like living this life. We don't want to exchange it for any other life. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't have challenges. And one of the things that we'll be called upon to do is to make sacrifices. And I'm saying to you that the sacrifices we make because of Jesus, because of the things of God, because of the kingdom of heaven, those sacrifices are not in vain. This is what Jesus was explaining when he said that you will receive a hundredfold not only in this life but in the life to come. And I'm assuring you that even if you don't see certain things whilst you are here on earth as for heaven dear you will get it. I know that it may not excite some people because it's like I, I won't I won't I won't chop the thing for here. I want it here and right now. Do you see? Sometimes it doesn't happen like that. It's not everybody who will marry. Not everybody will marry. You know, when I stand here and I see, I see your husband coming. I see your wife coming. I see you driving your car. When I say that thing, I mean it too. I'm not joking. I am making those declarations in faith. But I also know that not everybody will marry. So why? Because I know that not everybody will marry. I should say that I don't see. I don't see your husband. I don't see your child. I, don't, I can't say that. It's better to speak in faith. And those who can stir up their faith to meet the prophetic pronouncement, it will happen to them. I said it will happen to them. I see you marrying. I see you having a child. I see you driving your own car. I see you sitting on a plane and traveling. In the name of Jesus. Two days ago, I was talking to a brother in church. He used to be here with us. And as we speak now, he is in the United States of America. On some island bit there called Rhoda Highlands. And he's working. And he called me and was explaining to me that I can't believe that me too have actually sat in a plane that I have flown before. Not as a witch or a wizard. But in a plane. And that my first time of traveling, I didn't just sit in one plane. I sat in two different planes. Because one took me to a point, then the other took me to my final destination. Said so the times when years I see you traveling, I see you this. I mean, it felt so far away, but I believed it. And God has actually brought it to pass in my life. Hallelujah. So you don't lose anything when we make prophetic declarations and you receive them and embrace them with faith. Hallelujah. Because your faith makes you attractive to God. It says, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. For everyone who comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 verse 6. Hallelujah. So I am explaining to you that look, 
God is going to bless us. And the sacrifices that we make in the name of the Lord will never be in vain. Can I have an amen from somebody? The third thing to do with our Christian experience that is not in vain is obeying God. Everybody say obeying God. Obeying God is not in vain. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19. Good news translation of the Bible. There's a song. Beautiful song. That means I will continue to serve him. In truth. Why? Because I know that my labor, my service to God will not be in vain. And obeying God is not in vain. How do I know? This is what the Bible says. If you will only obey me, you will eat the good things the land produces. Amen. If you will only obey me, the King James says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the fat of the land. Every land has good things and bad things. There are times when you experience the bad things in the land. But there are other times that you can experience the good things in the land. The fact that you are struggling in Ghana does not mean that everybody is struggling. Some people are actually enjoying. Yeah. Some people are actually blessed. And as you are going to buy fuel and you are complaining, when they are buying, they don't think about it. Alright? Every land has good things and bad things. And Ghana is no exception. There are good things, and God has blessed our nation. It is just a tragedy that, in spite of all the blessings that God has endowed our nation with, there are, I mean, the standard of living for the average Ghanaian is not a good one. Because what don't we have? We got gold, we got diamonds. We got bauxite. We got manganese. We got oil. We got good land. Good soil. We have great water bodies. We have salt. What? Cocoa. Timber. Rosewood. Rosewood. <laughs> I mean, whatever way you look at it, God has blessed us. They said what? Coconut. <laughs> God has blessed us with coconuts. You see? 
So there's no reason for us to be struggling and for us to turn to IMF to bail us out. It's such a sad story of what could have been which is not. And my prayer is that God in other words, God should restore glory to this nation. May it happen during our lifetime. In the name of Jesus. But the Bible says, if you will only obey me, you will eat the good things the land produces. That means that obeying God is not in vain. I know that sometimes it feels like it is in vain. About a month ago, a dear friend of mine, she sent a message to me. She was frustrated. She's a single mother with two growing children. She'd been believing God for a job. And for more than three years, she's not had a regular job. She's tried various things. And she's somebody who is prepared to work hard. One of the points, she decided to go into spices. And she decided that even if she has to carry the spices on her head and go and sell it in town, she will do it. I'm talking about somebody who is a graduate. She has a master's degree. And she's worked in a top position before. But it's like she's entered into a difficult season of her life. And she sent a message to me. That she doesn't understand why she's struggling like this. And she's tried to make sure that she doesn't live a basabasa life. Try to obey God. And I'm talking about somebody, it's not like nice person. And she comes under a lot of pressure from people. But she decided that I will not compromise. I'll serve my God. I will obey my God. That morning when she sent the message to me, it was like there was no food in the house. Things were very rough. And she was saying that I don't know why this is happening to me. I don't know why God is allowing this to happen to me. So right now, if I go and compromise, God, will somebody blame me? <laughs> and I can understand. And there are times when it feels like obeying God is, is, is useless. Because you look around you, you see people who don't obey God, they do all the things, fooling around, playing the buffoonery around, and they seem to be making it. You have decided that you don't want to do bad things. Yet you are the one who is there, and you, you are not seeing certain blessings in your life. So at the point, you can ask yourself that, ah, obeying God and this church, 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 church thing, obeying God and all of these things, what is the use of it? But he says, if you will only obey me, you will eat the good things the land produces. And I declare to somebody today, what you have not seen, you will see it by the grace of God. 
your obedience to God and your commitment and devotion to him will not be in vain. God who makes all things beautiful in his time will come through for you. And he will open a major door for you. And you will then see that God was up to something in your life. And you just needed to be patient with him. And to continue trusting him. With God, his promises are yea and amen. His promises are not yea and nay. And I declare to somebody today, by the power in the name of Jesus, and by the unction of the Most High God, that your obedience to God, and your effort to do what he says, and to stay away from what he says you shouldn't do, it will result in you eating the good things of the land where you live. Somebody lift up your hand and shout, I receive the good things. Hallelujah. Number four. Repenting before God and showing remorse for your sins is not in vain. Repenting before God and showing remorse, that means you feel sad. Or you feel sorrowful because of your sins, because of your mistakes, because you've done something bad. That thing is not in vain. Because it is one of the things that the people said that God reacted to. That of what use is it repenting before you and walking sorrowfully before you? Of what use is it? And they were saying that perhaps because they've noticed that others don't seem to be affected much when they do something wrong. Their conscience doesn't prick them. They don't feel any remorse. Have you noticed that there are some people when they've done wrong and you are pointing it out to them, they are very defiant. And they will argue and argue and argue that they've not done anything wrong. Or sometimes they'll say to you, Maye, Maye, want to be yemi who? Want to be yemi she? Maka, maka. That means there's no repentance. There's no remorse. You don't feel that you've done anything bad. And sometimes people like that, they seem to get away with it. So then you can get to point and say that, ah, do I need to, to, to feel sad about my sins, about my mistakes, about my failures, about my fault? Do I need to be bothered about it? Do I need to pray and ask God to forgive me? Do I need to do all those things? I'm saying to you that repenting before God and showing remorse for your sins is not in vain. And my friends, if we miss it, let's come to God. And tell him we missed it. And let's be able to repent from our sins and our mistakes. Don't get to a point where you, you don't feel anything anymore. Even if it's something you've been struggling with for a long time, don't let that thing in you die. Because God will help you out of it one day. It is not in vain. One day, Peter came to ask Jesus, ah, Jesus, so, I think this is Luke 18 or Matthew 18, one of them. He said that, how many times am I supposed to forgive my brother who has offended me? The law has prescribed something that's seven times. So, that should be okay. I suspect that his brother we don't know who Peter's brother was, but he must have had a brother who kept offending him. You know that some people, they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. You say, Mempe, 
said, How many times should I tolerate and accommodate this thing? Jesus said, Not seven times. 70 times seven. It's like as many times as he offends you, forgive him. Now, that is the standard that God is giving to man. Do you not think that God would be upholding a higher standard for himself? That's why I never run away from God. No matter how some way you've been, always come to him. Always run to the, always run to the mercy seat. Don't run away from him. You will end up in the belly of a whale. So let's always run back to God and believe that something will change. I said believe that something will change. Hallelujah. So don't get comfortable with anything that is some way or that is not correct with you. Don't get comfortable with it. In Psalms 34 verse 18 New King James Version Psalms 34 verse 18 It says The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart And save such as have a contrite heart Broken heart Symbolizes a repentant heart A contrite spirit Symbolizes a repentant spirit and the bible says the lord is near to those who have a broken spirit and he saves such as have a contrite spirit it means that it is not in vain when you repent before the lord it is not in vain number five humbling yourself before god is not in vain when you humble yourself before god it is not in vain james chapter 4 verse 10 New Living Translation. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. So it is not in vain when we humble ourselves before the Lord. He lifts us up. If you want to be lifted up, you need to humble yourself before the Lord. Hallelujah. Because with God, the way up is the way down. And the way forward is the way backwards. He says for you to inherit the kingdom of heaven, you have to become like a little child and you have to become like a servant. That's the route you need to take in order to be promoted and elevated in this life. And it pays to be humble because the people of Israel complained in Malachi that from today we will call the arrogant blessed. The proud people are blessed. In other words, when you are humble, it is useless. It is not useless. Because as you humble yourself before the Lord, he will lift you up in honor and he will lift you up in due season. Hallelujah. Yes. Number six, doing good is not in vain. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 to 10. It says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. So don't stop doing good. Have you ever felt before in your life that I won't do good to certain people anymore? How many have felt that way before? Somebody has showed you before. You did something for the person and the person repaid you with ingratitude. But we must not refrain from doing good. Because doing good is not in vain. Number seven, fearing God 
That means holding God in high esteem, revering God, acknowledging God is not in vain. God is not kakai. So when we talk about the fear of God, it's not like God is a monster that you are afraid to get close to. He gives you sleepless nights. That's not God. In essence, when we talk about fearing him, it means revering him, holding him in high esteem, acknowledging him, and having a certain healthy fear and respect for him. That's what it means. That thing is not in vain. Psalm 34 verse 7 to 9. For the angel of the Lord is a God. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. So that means if you fear God, God protects you. So fearing God is not in vain. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his godly people. For those who fear him will have all they need. Hallelujah. Fearing God is not in vain. Number eight. Your love for God and the things of God is not in vain. Your love for God and the things of God is not in vain. Number nine. Any help you've given and continue to give to God's people is not in vain. Any help you've given, if you've helped somebody, especially a child of God, or you are helping somebody, it is not in vain. Any help you've given and continue to give to God's people is not in vain. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10 from the NIV Hebrews 6 verse 10. It says God is not unjust. Everybody say God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. And the love you have shown him. As you have helped his people. And continue to help them. God will not forget you. And the Bible says he's not unjust. It means that he will reward you. He will reward you. You know. And you see. Why would you want to do something for God's people? It is because of your love for God. When you are helping God's people, it's because of your love for God. And you are doing it. So you're, you are showing love to God's people because you love God. It is not in vain when you love God. And what you are doing for God's people, it is also not in vain. So don't stop. Don't faint. And don't give up doing good. Even if you meet a lot of ingratitude or you receive a lot of ingratitude from people, never stop doing good. I've been hurt before. I've been offended before. There are people that have done things for, they have repaid me with evil. Some of them don't relate with me anymore because of some stupid thing that somebody has said. And they have forgotten how I was there for them. How I stood by them. How I committed things for them. How I made sacrifices for them. But would that stop me from doing good and helping people? It will never stop me from helping people by the grace of God. If there's something I can do to help a child of God, by the grace of God, I will do it. Never mind that I've received a lot of ingratitude in the course of time. So I'm encouraging somebody, don't stop doing good. Because you will reap if you faint not. Hallelujah. And then the last one, your giving is not in vain. Somebody say, my giving is not in vain. My friend, your offerings, your tithes are not in vain. There are people who don't give tithes anymore because they feel it is in vain. For some people, they are angry with certain pastors and churches 
So because they decided that they won't pay tithe anymore and they won't give any substantive offerings. And they've decided that rather than giving the thing to the church for some pastor to go and chop with his big mouth, I would rather do humanitarian things. Now let me say this to you, my friend. There is a place for all of that. It is good to help people and to carry out humanitarian services. But it should never take the place of what you give to support the house of God. Because God explained to the people of Israel that make sure that you bring your tithes and your offerings so that there will be meat in my house. We use your tithes and your offerings to do things connected to the house of God and connected to the people of God. And it is too known to say that I, I, I will do it myself. I don't need you to do it. It, it. it shows a certain pride and arrogance. Sometimes I can't, I can't blame people when they take that stand. It is because of something they've seen some before. <laughs> so sometimes you can understand. But you see, don't take a radical decision because of a problem you have with somebody. Think through things carefully. There's a place for giving alms to the poor. It should be done. And for your information, there, there are different instances and different occasions that God is expecting us to give. It doesn't mean that when you give your offerings and tithes, you don't help people, you don't give to other people. It doesn't mean that. You must give your offerings, you must pay your tithes, and you must still do good things for others. It's not either or. That's not what it is. It's not either or. It is both. There must be meat in the house of God and you must still do good things to people. I'm saying to you that your giving is not in vain. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 8. And we close. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for god loves a person who gives cheerfully now the reward and god will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others in simple terms when you give god will take care of you and will generously provide all that you need and you will have more than you can carry. You will have surplus and plenty left over to be able to share with others. So my friend, your giving is not in vain. And see your giving as planting. You are sowing a seed. When you plant a seed, you get fruits from it. And in the fruit are plenty more seeds. So you planted just a seed. But you are reaping a fruit. And in that fruit are plenty more seeds. What that should tell you is that God is not trying to shortchange you. Or God is not trying to reduce you or to make your life difficult. That's why you shouldn't think in the wrong way. That I should bring a tenth of what I earn to the Lord. Somebody said that I should bring a tenth of what I earn. Do you know how much I earn? It is easy for you if you earn thousand cities, a tenth is hundred cities. That one, when you are bringing it, you may not feel it too much. 
But if I earn hundred thousand dollars, I do a contract and I earn hundred thousand dollars. What is a tenth of it? Ten thousand dollars. What is the exchange rate currently? Eight. No, no, no. It's better now. Mm. It's better now by the grace of God. Our government is doing wonders. They are restoring the economy, or so they say. Look, the city that is doing well is just demand and supply. <laughs> That's the only thing. I'll explain to you one day. Do you see? But $10,000 times 8 is equal to what? 80000 Now, oh, but sorry, I will pay that 80000 What the bread? Pastor Johnny, or Mejin Kodi, Mimi Kodi, 80000 If you bring $10,000 as your tithe, I'm just going to use it to build the house of God. That's what I'm going to use it for. I'm not going to chop it. I don't earn an income from the church. I haven't earned an income from the church for a long time. And it's God who is keeping us. I could. I could earn an income from the church. Because the Bible says, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. And the laborer is worthy of his wages. I can. And a time will come, I will earn an income from the church by the grace of God. But that time hasn't come. Right now, if I were to earn an income from the church, there are a lot of things that we cannot do. And my focus is by the grace of God to build a beautiful church for you. Beautiful church. To the glory of God. To build a beautiful church to the glory of God. To bring honor to God. God deserves it. And we will do it by the grace of God. Hallelujah. So don't ever think that your giving is, is useless. And sometimes when you give, you are, you are thinking about a lot of things. And the problem is that you see, the only thing that you see as a blessing is money. So as you're giving your tithe, you are expecting to get some money be from somewhere. Is it a bad expectation to have? No. But I want you to understand that there are many blessings that are more than money. So when you give, God blesses you. It's just that you have not analyzed things deeply to realize that God has blessed me. Because if you do, you realize that, hey, it's been a long time since I went to the hospital. You would realize that I was almost in an accident. I was driving behind somebody's brand new Mercedes Benz. A car If you had hit that car, they would have to sell you, your wife, your children, eh, to be able to repair the car. But it doesn't occur to you that God saved you. He says, when you bring your tithe and your offerings, I will rebuke the devourer for your sin. The devourer is that thing that eats away and chips away at your blessing and your prosperity. But we don't think deeply about things. Do you know the many times and occasions that God has saved you from a very serious trouble? At your workplace, you almost lost your job. 
because of some mistake that you made some computation that you did that there was a mistake it god had to intervene for you not to lose that job and you say that oh like seriously so your giving is not in vain and i want to encourage you that continue giving support the things of god support the house of god help people do good to people serve God continue making the sacrifices that you make remain humble before God be repentant before God all these things are not in vain encourage yourself with that and I know that the God we serve is a just God there is nothing that you do for him that he doesn't have a record of and because he's just he will reward you in due season you may not have seen certain things yet but you will see them by the grace of God. How do I know? Because the God we serve is a just God and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Rise to your feet and let us pray. God bless you. Father, we thank you for tonight. We are so glad for the word that has come. We ask, oh God, that you will bless us and we ask, oh God, that you would help us through your spirit to continue serving you continue doing good continue shining bad things continue obeying you continue giving let's continue carrying out all our christian duties and responsibilities knowing that our labor in you and our sacrifices will never be in vain thank you father for everyone who came tonight and thank you for all those who are online at this moment in jesus mighty name amen Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. We do hope that you were greatly blessed. For further inquiries, please call, WhatsApp, or send an SMS text to plus 233-243-886-622. God bless you.